What's up, everybody? Today, I'm super excited to announce my guest. He's a former Lou Groza Award semifinalist, Boise State record holder, and a guy who may have the best hair you've ever seen from the kicker position. Tyler Rosa, how's it going, my guy? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about your hometown of Marietta, California, and uh, what makes it so unique. Oh gosh, my uh, I actually just came back from my hometown too. Um, but it's you know it's it's a fun place, great place to be. It's where I went to high school. Uh, been there for since 1999. Um, before moving out to Boise in 2013. But you know it's it's a great place to be, a great environment just to grow up in. Um, very tight knit community too. I mean, I I had the support from everybody around me, um, different people in the city that I'd even know that our high school was pretty big and we were pretty successful. So a lot of people knew one of our high school. And then we had a lot of guys at our high school that not only did well, but went on to um, big D1 programs, couple that went to the NFL, but you know, it's our, our city. It's, it's a fun one for sure. Fun one to grow up in. And a lot of people even go back, um, when they're doing college or when they want to settle down. It's just that, that kind of place is just great. Yeah, for sure. Um, how'd you end up as a kicker? You know, like, you know, on the playground, like when everyone's playing quarterback, receiver, all yeah. that, you just, you just decided to be a kicker. Um, I really didn't decide until kind of my sophomore year of high school is when I really started taking it serious. I did it in freshman football. My dad was actually the freshman football coach at the time and I was one of our starting uh corners corner safety and you know I I played soccer and just um when the high school was getting going because it was it opened in 2006 and my parents both worked there at the time so I was the ball boy for the high school team and after every game uh, my brother and I would go out and we would just see how far we can kick a field goal and by like seventh grade I was able to kick a 45 um, with one of the high school balls and so you know my dad kind of noticed it but he never what like he was kind of macho man didn't want his son to be a kicker <laughs> and so yeah, it wasn't until like my freshman year when I started doing well and I kind of figured out. And then sophomore year is when I started playing varsity. And the first game I played on varsity, I hit a game-winning field goal. And then from there, I was like, all right, like, you know, this can definitely be something that I can I can do well with. Because I was always baseball first. I I played baseball since I was three years old. And so I was I was looking for college with baseball and had more baseball offers than I did football, but I was just like. Position where you in baseball? I was third and second, mostly going to probably going to be second base um, if I went the college route. But yeah, I was, I was like, you know what? I I just have a little more for for football than, than baseball. I just see more of a future there. Yeah, for sure. I've I've obviously had Morton Anderson on the show and he had a little bit of a similar route. You know, he's kind of, he kind of came over from Denmark and, played soccer and then one day just picked up a football kicked it and yeah there he is look at him now right so yeah that's that's obviously a sick journey I feel like that's how most most athletes in general really are is that they end up like playing like soccer you know like Odell was a big soccer player before you know, yeah he got the football no so, exactly he that guy can kick a football too he, yeah uh, there's some videos where he's like letting it go I'm like oh shoot yeah yeah I, I feel like most athletes I mean multiple sport athletes like that's just kind of how you have to be 
you know, just really kind of broaden your horizon a little bit. But, um, yeah. you know, take us back to your high school days. What was your recruiting process like and how did you end up at Boise State? Oh, gosh. Uh, recruiting process was very kind of dry for me. Um, junior year, we didn't kick a whole lot. I think my junior year of high school, I was like nine for 10 on field goals. And then senior year, um, I tied for field goals in a season. Um, I was like 19 for 21. And then, you know, I had a bunch of different, like I was like California special teams MVP. And I think I tied for most field goals made in the country that year. And then percentage wise, I was the best in the country. And I didn't have anything, man. It was super weird because we had guys on our team that were going to USC, that were going to UCLA. So it wasn't like there was a lack of people that were coming through the school. Um, just, and it's not like the grades weren't there. I finished high school overall with like a 3-1 or 3-2. And so it was super dry. And then I think for football, I had something like 30 walk-on opportunities where I can go. And just wasn't something that I was looking towards and I I just knew I didn't want to put my family kind of in that rut because I knew it'd be a debt anywhere I go um so I was where I ran into University of Nevada and with Nevada I was gonna go for one semester and they were gonna sign me to a scholarship second semester that was the whole everything was kind of laid out for us what we were gonna do so out of high school, I go to University of Nevada, and then I was going to walk on with the baseball team. So I get there, do um, a whole summer with them, get there beginning of June, and I'm there all the way until beginning of August, right before about to start fall camp. And they ran into a problem where they actually over-admitted too many people into the school. And so what they – yeah, they raised the academic index – and they raised if you didn't meet the index it was like an SAT score and I didn't meet either and there was like three or four other freshmen on the football team that didn't meet either also so they sent me home uh right before fall camp like I was yeah I went through all summer with them had classes ready to go and they just sent me home and so that was where I went to junior college Riverside City College and from Riverside you know, did well. I mean, I, I think I went perfect through the first like seven games, that seventh game hit a game winner in overtime. Um, yeah. I saw the numbers. You were like, you, you only missed like two or three field goals the whole season. Like it was a, it yeah. was a really good year. Yeah. And so that was when I, I was kind of talking to Boise state the whole time, but they never offered me until that seventh game. And I, they called me and then I talked, my parents and I made it that night like I didn't I didn't really see Boise yet I didn't see anything I was just like you know what this is here let's take it and Chris Peterson was there he was one of the main reasons why I went there and I knew you know somewhat about Boise from um kind of word of mouth and then obviously you always know the blue turf and so I was like let's do it and then what's funny is he called me um, on Sunday after I committed. So I committed Saturday. He called me Sunday and he goes, look, he's like, you know, we've been talking to you for this long for seven weeks now. He's just like, you know, we're, we had to make sure, you know, cross our T's, dot our I's. And he's like, you're going to have schools coming on Monday. And he told me that he goes, you're going to have schools coming on Monday 
to come give you scholarship offers and they don't know who you are, but they just did it because Boise state did it. And I did it. And I was like, coach, I haven't talked to anybody. Like that's, yeah. that's not going to be a thing. Like, that's I don't crazy. know if you know what you're talking about. And of course I get to school on Monday at Riverside and there was like 13 schools that were lined up to offer me a scholarship that were just there, wanted to talk to me. And I was like, I was like, what the heck? And so I just told my coach, I was like, coach, I committed to Boise State. Like, I don't, I was like, I w- didn't even talk to the schools. I was like, I'm all Boise State. So you're so, saying that, like, whenever these, these top prospects are really getting offers and they have, like, 50 offers, they're really just, you know, they get one big offer and then the rest is kind of coming yeah, from there. Yeah, it's a, it's a domino effect because all of a sudden they're on the map. And that's what, it's kind of what some schools even wait for is when you have, like a Boise state offer them because Boise is always known for one taking guys who are like diamonds in the rough guys that were overlooked. So schools kind of caught on to what Boise state was doing and they just kind of watched what they were doing. Like if you, every year there's always two or three guys at the last minute that are committed to Boise state that like USC is going after UCLA, different PAC 12 SEC. Um, Cause they just want guys that, you know, kind of like that Boise state offer. Cause it's, it's, they're guys that one work hard, do the right things, everything like that. And then they're just diamonds in the rough. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the recruiting process with that at high school. I just had nothing. And then junior college was when Boise state came and then it just became a domino effect, but I didn't give anybody else time of day. I was just all Boise state from there. Wow. Imagine being like a prospect, not like you, right? Like who, who hasn't been talking to these other schools and then they get yeah. like an offer from like a bigger school and they're like, Ooh, let me just take that. And then they just, they ruin their careers by doing that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. And the, thing with, the thing too is like some people do it and it's like, Oh, they're committed here. And some coaches are like, Oh, if you go here, like, you know, you can't be committed to us type thing. And that's where you see some people like decommit because all of a sudden they, you know, grass is greener on the other side and you know, some guys get lost in the system because they just wanted to go to the bigger school. And that's, you have to look at one, where are you going to succeed the best and, you know, get the best exposure, everything like that, and just have the overall better life with college. And two, like, where are you going to get on the field? Like I was, I wanted to get on the field. I didn't really care about, you know, if I wanted to go like Nebraska was one of them. Yeah. Nebraska would have been cool. But I think when I looked at the time, they had like, six kickers on the roster as opposed to Boise State they had one guy on the roster I was like okay where's you know my longevity there and I'm probably going to be happier because Boise's one of the best cities in America that people are actually starting to find out about now um but no I I don't regret my decision at all yeah for sure but uh you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier but uh what was it like playing on that bright blue field, man? Like, you know, you, you play in turf or grass your whole life and then yeah. you get to Boise and all of a sudden you get a nice bright blue and orange field. What's that like? No, it's awesome, man. And it's, you don't, I mean, you notice it when you're not on the field and then when you're on the field and you're going, you don't even notice it. And it's, really? it's one of those things. Yeah. It's just another playing surface. Cause you know, you always have a different kind of green, like every, I feel like every turf you're, you're on is a different kind of green and you don't really, I mean, once you get going, you just don't really notice it. Um, and it's funny when people are all like, always say like, oh, blue jerseys on the blue field, whatever. It's, I mean, it's not – when you're watching it from above or watching it on TV, sure. But when you're on the field, it's not that big of a difference. It's um, – but it's – it was so fun, man. It's Albertson Stadium where we play at. 
it's one of the best stadiums in America. I mean, it's, we went on there for a reason. And when you're on the blue, it's, it's one of those places, it's things that's, it's so special and we treat it that special to where we, we just don't lose. That's why if you look, I, I believe we are one or two with best home records ever. Wow. Since we became division one, which was, I believe like 95 or 96 when Boise state officially became division one. Um, sure. But yeah, we just don't, <laughs> yeah, we, we just make sure we don't lose on the blue. Yeah. That's what's up. But, uh, you know, you did have a really good career at Boise State. Uh, you had 220 career points, setting several Boise State records. Um, how much interest was there in you, like, leading up to the 2017 NFL draft? Like, were there some teams talking to you, or what was that process kind of like? Yeah, I mean, I had a couple teams talk to me, call me. Um, I think there was, like, five or six teams right remember before the draft. Them. Oh, gosh, it was, like, we had Cleveland, uh, the Chargers. Denver, um, the Colts, and then I believe the Dolphins too. And so those five called me right before, hey, where are you going to be draft day? You're on our list, this and this. And so in my head, I was like, I, all right, I'm not going to be drafted because I just wasn't one of those top ranked guys because my senior year, we didn't kick at all. I think we had like top five highest scoring offense in the country. And when that happens, you just don't kick field goals. Um, so we we're kind of going off my junior year and then senior year we didn't, didn't kick, but you know, I was like, all right, like let's get into a mini camp, you know, undrafted free agent type of thing. And then, you know, talk to the teams. One team called after, um, the Browns called after and was like, Hey, we're looking at maybe a rookie mini camp. We'll get back to you. Let you know. I was like, all right, like let's go to Cleveland. Um, it just didn't happen. Nothing happened. I mean, it was so dry after that. I was like, all right, like kind of what uh, what do I got going now? And then from there, actually that first year, I went interned at Boise State, um, and they let me train. They let me I, – I was an intern on the team, just helping the kickers out, helping the specialists, and nothing really happened. And then it wasn't until that next year was when I went to the spring league and did really well at the spring league, put really good film together. I think I ended the spring league. I was like 34 for 35 on kicks, like put some really good film together. Um, And that was where the Browns kind of circled back and we did a workout with them and the workout went really well. And it was just, the only thing was it was mid season and I won that workout and they just told me, they're like, look, like we loved you you kick like crazy but you don't have any NFL experience say you go into a game and you don't do well your first game you know we can't have that on us so I was I mean I was bummed but I was still you know my name is out there now my name's in the system everything like that and then a uh, go play arena football did well at the arena um, signed with the AAF and then things didn't go my way with the AAF I mean i didn't think there was a reason to let me go, but they thought otherwise. So I got let go of the AF and then had a workout with Chicago Bears. Uh, did well with that workout, and but they took a guy who uh, Chris Blewett, who I mean, he just had one of those. Yeah, he just had one of those days. No, no, no he had one of those days where he did not blow it. He yeah. went out and had a phenomenal day. I mean, there was not much else I could do, but he just went and had just a better day. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I put on a good showing for them, but they just went that route. And then I uh, went back and played arena again and then came home and then got with the XFL. And then this last season of the XFL, I, you know, did about as good as I could. Um, obviously, there was one kick the first game that, you know, you wish you could have back, but it was one of those things where I haven't played a real competitive game outside in three years. And I was like, you know what, it's just kind of a growing pain type thing. And But you got to go with it, you roll with it. And I, I rolled with it and ended up doing really well. Yeah, you killed it. That's why I wanted to reach out to you so bad, man, because you were one of yeah. my favorite players in the XFL. But uh, I appreciate it. You know, you kind of covered my next question for me, but you know, you've had an incredible journey so far as you played in, you know, community or like, you know, JUCO and then Boise State, Spring League, yeah. AAF, NFL, Arena League, XFL. You've been around. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's been the most humbling kind of experience throughout this journey? All of it. All of it, man. It's it's one, I have so many stories to tell. I've met so many guys. Um, kind of one of my favorites through it all was, was Johnny Menzel when we were at the spring league together. Um, it's funny, man, because he, he's definitely not what people think. He's just kind of a very down-to-earth guy, super cool. I think we talked about the comparison between In-N-Out and Whataburger for about an hour uh, during and after practice one day. Just a super cool guy, but I mean, all the stories, all the guys I've come across, um, and just everything just leading up to hopefully will be the NFL. But I mean, the humbling part is not actually being there, but having to, having to go all these different routes just to even put my name on the board. Um, so everywhere I go, you know, you, you always have to put a chip on your shoulder and just go, I mean, never, never complain, but just do what you do, do your best, you know, there's always going to be those moments where, you know, guys are getting signed. You're just like, dude, like, what is going on here? Like, I just did this, this, and this. And I'm just like, all right, like, I got to be better somehow. Like, somehow, some way, I got to find a way to keep being better. Um, so it's kind of the whole process, man. The whole process has been super humbling. It's been super fun. And, you know, there's not a whole lot. Of, again, I, I would change because it's kind of made me who I am today. And it's, I think it's made me even better kicker than what I was coming out of college. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things you do really a really good job of that, you know, you're just really utilizing social media the right way. You know, like you would post yeah. videos of you like in like 28 degree weather, kicking field goals, like teams love to see that. And yeah. I'm sure you're going to get a call, bro. In due time. That's guys. what that's what we're hoping for. But yeah, that's why I do different videos like that because, you know, social media is a tool now and some people, you know, you always get the people that are like, why are you posting kicking videos type thing? I'm like, I'm not doing it for personal use or entertainment like I'm doing it to where it's where if teams were to check up on me like I would rather be over prepared than under prepared yeah for sure um so you know you scored the very first points in the new XFL um yeah how did it feel knowing that your name will forever be etched in XFL history yeah I mean it, it was funny too because I didn't really think about it um as I'm jogging out on the field and then afterwards I have every teammate that's like, Oh dude, first point, like heck yeah. And then I think the ball that football is in Canton, Ohio in the hall of fame, um, which was, which is also crazy too. You're a low key but, hall of famer. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. But uh, yeah, I didn't even really think about it until I got off the field and then they start blowing it up everywhere. And, and then people are like, dude, you're going to be a question like in a, 
in a bar one day, like, oh, who scored the first points in XFL history? Like, you know, you're a bar question type thing. But no, nah, it was it was cool, man. It was cool to go out there to just see the ball go through the uprights. It's, you just, it's just one of the best feelings that, you know, some very few people know what it is, especially at, at you know, a professional level. Yeah. It's just um, seeing the ball, feel it come off your foot and just go through. Yeah. We're lagging just a little bit, but we're hanging through it. Oh, you're uh, good. You're good. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite football memory, like, of all time? You've, you've, I'm sure you have hundreds, but what's your favorite? Or even a couple. Oh, gosh. Nothing but story time over here. Um, man. I mean, one of my favorites – will yeah I mean high school when we won um our first you could say sectional championship and our school's never done that before it was kind of one of those things where it was it was with all my best friends from high school that I still talk to every pretty much every day or every other day now um that'll always be one of my favorites uh winning a first Mountain West Conference championship with Boise State uh, just going nuts, one with everybody on our team, um, and with all the crowd, fans, everything like that. Winning a Fiesta Bowl with Boise State that same year uh, was definitely incredible. It's once it, Boise State, it's we're a professional football team here. That that's how they treat us, and it's awesome. And then from there, prob I mean, definitely that first. Field goal with the XFL at 55 will definitely always be ingrained in my head because um, I had missed a kick right before that. I'm on national television for being kind of the first guy to screw up and get interviewed on the sideline and then go out and hit that 55, um, which was a career long for me, uh, was huge. And those, I think those are definitely kind of like my top five right there. Yeah, I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. What is that like in the XFL? Like, as soon as you either like miss a kick, make a kick, what's that like just having a microphone, like, right in your face? It was different because um, they told us that they were going to do it. They're going to be up close and personal, everything like that. And I was like, okay, it doesn't really pertain to me, really. And I always kind of had that thought in my head, like, if I miss, do they talk? And I was just like, I'm just not even going to worry about missing. Ruthless, man. And so, yeah, and so – you know, I missed that kick. I come off the sideline, a little upset, and our social media guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, ESPN wants to do a sideline interview with you about missing. And I was like, oh, man. Of course they I was, So I was like, like, I was like, all right, I'm too emotional about this. Like, you know, I got to worry about the next kick and just go from there. And so, um, yeah, and then you had Miss Diana come up who works with ESPN, super nice, super positive, you know, right before she's like, all right, I'm asking you these questions right here and kind of laid it out. And she's just like, you know, and then I'm gonna come to you after you make your next kick and we're going to interview and, you know, we're going to keep the positive. I was like, okay. Like, you know, she was super cool, very positive about it. And we get going. And of course the first question is, what did you do on that miss? And I was like, oh shoot. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm not too deep into it. And it was, you know, very basic interview but it was the fact that it was in the middle of the game where I'm kind of thinking about the game at the same time there's plays going on I'm like all right like I just got to be as professional as I can about it I guess but yeah it was, it was super different man yeah I remember tuning into that game because I was a little bit of a Seattle Dragons supporter but uh, okay you nailed that 55 yarder against them and, man you were fired up <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was happy for you but like 
Yeah, and she came over and interviewed you, and you just kept it classy. I was like, oh, man, I was hoping for a soundbite right there. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, how, like, the – like, obviously from the player's perspective, um, how did, like, the kind of the end of the XFL go, like, with the whole COVID-19 thing? And, like, how did they, like, inform you guys that the season was canceled? And that really, like, it's just kind of terminated at this point. Yeah. Um, so we kind of knew what was going on. On when well I mean a lot of us were following it like beginning of January and we we're like dang like China's getting kind of beat up right now we're like we're, we have a lot of flights from China like all right and then we followed it in February and then beginning of March is when we were like all right it's DC's one of like the affected areas and then we were talking about doing no fans and that week we got shut down uh we got shut down on Friday. And so Tuesday, Wednesday, we practice. And then that Thursday, we had practice scheduled. And all of a sudden, you see NASCAR get shut down. And NBA gets shut down. Soccer gets shut down. And at one point, we were like the last remaining te- like league to not be shut down. Well, even with those leagues shut down, we still went out and practiced that Thursday. Like everybody's at practice like, All right, here's my league left because it was just like be there. Everybody, they have nothing to do. There's no sports on. Like, they might as well watch the XFL. So, guys were kind of getting excited, like, all right, we're not going to have any fans. And we get back from practice, still nothing. And then Friday comes, Friday rolls around. You know, everybody's watching film. I was in the training room, and then I kind of saw it on Twitter that, of course, we find out by Twitter first that the XFL is getting shut down. And then our head coach, uh, comes into the training room because I'm always there and he's like all right go ahead and go through the meeting rooms and tell him we got a team meeting and then when he said we had a team meeting I was like all right that's gonna be it right there and so we had team meeting and that was when he informed us like hey they're gonna pay for our flights home and everything well, kind of what's going on and at our the league was like all right like we think we can be back in about four weeks like this will all kind of blow over and we're like, like all right like four weeks sounds good to us and then of course four weeks later that was when things kind of got a little rough so that was just when they just shut everything down yeah missing sports crazy right now but uh who's who's your biggest inspiration oh gosh um I think with me I think it's a hard question because it's you know, I've, I've had a good upbringing. I've had a good, you know, there's not a, the ad, most adversity I've, I've had to go through is, you know, kind of just dealing with, with sports, dealing with different lives when it comes to sports and everything like that. And it's not who is my inspiration, but what inspires me and kind of what inspires me one is just being successful living the thing I love the most and then with that um you know if I can be able to provide a good life parents for my brother now everybody who's around me to where I can do what I love and I can provide for everybody around me and you know have everybody live you know kind of a happy carefree great life I think that's what inspires me but not who but 
kind of a whole community around me to for me to be successful to kind of bring them with me um and it's kind of a weird thing but it's you know I've there hasn't been a whole lot of you know bad adversity on my life but you know just taking what what I can do and what I do love and and being able to just kind of lay it all out for everybody yeah for sure give us the best player you've ever played with and then the best player you've ever played against at any level so even back to high school if you can remember that far back (laughs) yeah um gosh probably the best player I played with um would be between Sua Cravens one um Sua went on he got drafted by the Redskins and then had a uh, stint with the uh, Broncos as well. I think he's done now on too many concussions that he was done with, but played with him in high school. And then another guy, Jay Ajay, um, was definitely a guy that, you know, he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. That guy's incredible, incredible football player. Um, and then played against, I mean, we played against Taysom Hill in college. That dude's one of the most freakish athletic guys I've ever seen. I'm a Saints fan, uh, so I'm happy you said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Vontez Perfect. Yeah. That he's been the same size since he was a senior in high school. Um, yeah, he was ridiculous cool. Um let me think. Who else have I got? I mean, we went um, Robert Kandiji when he was with Ole Miss, and when I was warming up before that Ole Miss game, I stood next to him and I thought I was standing next to like two refrigerators together, and the guy had no body fat on him. That was where I was like, "All right, this is the scene." Like it was ridiculous, and he was he was actually a funny guy. He told a joke right before I kicked and everything, but um, yeah, those are definitely guys I played against, guys I've gone gone against, um, definitely the top guys. Awesome. So just one last question for you. You got any advice for the young aspiring yeah. athletes out there? I mean, if, if you have something that you truly believe in, you got to keep going. Um, no matter what the circumstances, if you believe you, that you belong somewhere, um, you have to work toward it. And in any sort of adversity, anything that gets in your way, one, you got to sort it out. But two, you have to just keep pushing. And you can't let excuses get in the way. You can't, um, you know, put negative thoughts in your head. You have to do what you're told. Do believe in it. You just have to keep keep trucking forward to where you know where you belong. Awesome. I appreciate it. Ty, uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show today. And uh, yeah, no yeah, problem, if you man. guys want to go follow Tyler's Twitter is at T underscore Rosa. And then IG is at good eats with a Z underscore Rouse. So yeah, appreciate it, my guy. Stay blessed. Stay safe. Oh, appreciate you, man. Have a good one.